The following opinions and ideas are that of the host and or contributors of the Eat This podcast and are for the purposes of general information and entertainment only and do not necessarily reflect the thoughts or ideas of the distributor. from her closet high above the streets of Toronto, this is Eat This with Leanne. Here's your host, Leanne Philipson. I know that pretty much in every single episode, you've heard me say, okay, strongly recommend that you eat more fruits and vegetables, whole foods, nuts and seeds, you know, all the healthy things that any nutritionist is going to tell you. But what about when you pick up something that's in a package? How do you know if it's going to fit in the healthy enough bar or where does it fit? Is it all right that it just fits in my my cart? Is that okay? (laughs) It's like an imaginary bar there somewhere that's on the cart. Sure. But I'm talking about the nutrition bar that maybe you and I set or just me I set for you or hope that you'll get to. I don't know. (laughs) At any time you pick up a box, a jar, a can, a plastic wrap, something with a combination of ingredients, it has a nutrition label on it. Do you stop and read it? Maybe you don't because it's a minefield of information and truly you don't know what it means, what to look at. You have no idea what those numbers are all about. Ingredients. Do you look at that one or both of them? And you know what? I'm just not going to bother because I am so confused and I do not understand what this is. And I have to say, quite honestly, you probably don't care if it tastes really good, right? Well, if you have allergies or food sensitivities, you're scouring that ingredient list for anything you can't eat. And it can actually make your shopping trip a lot longer to fill your cart with the safe foods that you know that are okay for you or any member of your family. If you've got high blood pressure or heart issues, I hope that you're checking out the sodium content because especially in something like pasta sauce, there's a lot of sodium that's hidden in there. But why else would you read the nutrition facts and ingredients, aka the label? So you know what your next mouthful will do for you or not do for you. You'd be amazed at what goes into that morning bowl of what you think is a better option of cereal or the sauce that that's poured on those scrumptious wings that you've got a hankering for. And and you're likely plugging your ears saying, la, 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 because you just want, you don't want to read it. You just want to ignore that there's something in there that's not so good, even though they're calling your name for dinner and your taste buds are going, hey, yeah, I'd like to eat that for dinner. And you're yelling from wherever I'm coming because that's just what you happen to fancy. And that's just the wings, maybe not the blue cheese or the ranch dressing that's going to go on the side of them. Those ingredient lists become illegible, typically after you've read water, oil, vinegar, and then you think, no, not going there. Let's just eat it because I know it's going to be good. It's as good an explanation as any I've heard. Do you see any of those nutrition labels that are plastered on your apple, your banana, or your avocado? Come to think of it, is there a label on the package of the naked chicken wings that you pick up? 
Well, no, it's not there because certain foods don't actually need a label. Yes, reading nutrition labels can be a minefield of confusion. So today on Eat This with Leanne, yep, another deep dive into what I think you need to know, what to look out for, and why it's worth the extra few minutes to just turn that package, that tin or that bag around, and read more about what it is that you're just about to put in your cart and take home with you. Way back in about 2008, I think it was, I decided that parents needed more help than I could give them in my mommy chef cooking classes where I taught them how to make food. So I decided that my next venture, as well as everything else that I was doing, was going to be a food delivery service of baby and toddler food. Yes, I thought this was a good idea. (laughs) So I did a month-long pilot project. I made batches and batches of food, figured out how to package them up, get the orders all over the city. And did my foods need a label? Well, no, they didn't. I had to do a deep dive into what was needed. This bit of the venture that I tried for about a month or a little bit longer, I needed to know what the requirements were before I jumped into this, I have to say, exhausting service, which financially did not pan out in the slightest, way too much time and way too much effort for what the return was, even though the parents loved it. And so there's a bit of background on what happened to Sprout Right to Go. You know, I even had a, had a logo for it and everything and like a sub site for people to, to order from. Well, you know, that didn't happen. So let's get back to it. There are foods that are exempt by the Canadian Food Inspection Agency to have a mandatory nutrition label. Yes, the nutrition facts that appear on almost all packaged foods, well, that has to be there, but not all of them because under certain conditions, like they might just be a fresh fruit or a vegetable, a raw meat or poultry, except actually when it's ground, then it needs to have a label on it, raw fish and seafood, and also foods that have insignificant amounts of nutrients, something like coffee tea leaves, herbs, spices, and then also food colors, they also don't need a label. Those baked goods that you pick up from your coffee shop or grab them from a bakery, they also don't need need a label because they're sold kind of like where they're made. Ever notice a label with the ingredient list or anything else on a bottle of wine or any other alcohol? Nope, they don't need it either. Foods that are sold at roadside stands, craft shows, flea markets, fairs, farmers markets, and even those sugar bushes when you go and grab something from there and you're tapping and making your maple syrup? Well, the same person likely has made it, is selling it, and that does not need a label. Just like my Sprout Right to Go foods, they didn't need a label because nothing was actually being sold in a store and all the ingredients were on the website where the parents ordered. So they already knew in advance. There are two specific areas on the nutrition label that you need to know how to navigate. First, and probably the most baffling, is the nutrition facts table. It's helpful, but could say a lot more. But already you probably need your reading glasses to see it, even if you don't really need glasses. Its purpose is so that you know the calories and the nutrients in what the food that you're holding in your hand contains. It's supposed to make it easy to compare it to similar foods, which uh, I think really needs to be addressing because it's not that easy. Each label can have a different serving size. And if you don't hone in on that first, your comparison is actually completely useless. The label is also meant to help you look for foods that have a little or a lot of a certain nutrient to help for specific food diets and special diets. 
Does that part of the label accomplish it? In some ways, but in some ways, really, without calculating or the strong reading glasses, I think it really just leads to a whole whack of confusion. Nutrition facts must include serving sizes, calories, percentage daily value, or DV, and 13 core nutrients, which are your fat, your saturated fats, trans fats, cholesterol, sodium, carbohydrates, fiber, sugar, protein, and then the three vitamins, vitamin A, vitamin C, calcium, and iron. The format of this is consistent across all food products. Sometimes there are extras and things are changing. I'll talk about that in a little bit with our guest today, but that is the bare minimum. Can you take what it says as gospel? Sadly not, because calorie counts on food labels and within the databases that spit out the information to tell you what the calories are in there tend to be as much as 25% off. So really, like, what is this all about? You know what I mean? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Huh? Let's go in a little bit deeper. Out of all of the nutrition facts, here's what I want you to take a look at just to keep it simple. Now, the serving size. I think this is where a lot of people get tripped up. Thinking that there isn't much sodium in your pasta sauce could really depend on the serving size. So I pulled out my farm boy Arabata sauce, and that said that it had 200 milligrams of sodium per half a cup of serving. As an adult, Health Canada suggests that we consume somewhere around 1,500 milligrams of sodium per day, but don't exceed 2,300 milligrams a day, which is equivalent to about a teaspoon of salt. I need to know that if I've salted my pasta, if I have garlic bread with salted butter, that that's going to raise, all of that's going to add to my sodium content. And am I only going to have a half a cup of pasta sauce? I don't know. I might have more. But if you take that and compare it to the ragu pasta sauce, it has 480 milligrams per half a cup. And just so that you can remember numbers, my farm boy has 200 milligrams. So like, where do those extra 280 milligrams of sodium come from? So this is exactly why I say read your labels and see what you can do to compare them, because this is a big consideration, especially for someone who's who has heart disease, high blood pressure, or really just wants to know why they've got swollen fingers after they happen to have a meal when you haven't drunk enough water. Okay, so I think I've just covered the serving size and the sodium. Next up is fats. Listed on the label is saturated fats and trans fats. Well, trans fats, they've been banned as of September 2020, so no product in Canada can be sold with trans or hydrogenated fats on the label. The total fat on there could say that maybe it's like it's 11 grams. I found that on the label of my organic mayo. Then under total fat, it says saturated fat and has another number under there, 1.5 grams. So the serving size is a tablespoon for this. And then you think, well, what just happened to the other 9.5 grams of fat that isn't listed on there? Well, they don't have room for it, maybe. I'm not really sure. But just so you know, that discrepancy, what's not on the label is monounsaturated fat or polyunsaturated fat. So those actually are more neutral and good fats. So really honing in on what how much saturated fat is in there is a little more knowledgeable. It just makes you more knowledgeable, especially when you're looking to reduce the amount of saturated fat. Now, we need about 5% of saturated fat in our diet every single day. So that does not need to say zero every time you pick something up, just so you know. 
But the monounsaturated fats and polyunsaturated fats, you may have heard me talk about omega-3 and omega-6. Well, that's what a polyunsaturated fat is. So you can lean more towards a food that has a good fat in it when you do just that small amount of math. Leanne, explain to me quickly the trans fat thing again. It's illegal to have it on the label, but so it's still in the food, but you can't put it on the label? No, Is I'm that sorry. How that I should, I should, thank you for clarifying. All foods within Canada may not have any trans fats or what's also called hydrogenated fats as of September 2020. Actually so, in the food, it can have the trans fats in the actually food. Actually in the food, in your chips, oh. in your fries, in your whatever, there can be no more trans fats. They had to and be taken out. Why was that decision made? Because trans fats are the most harmful fats. They are the ones that cause the worst heart disease, the worst breakdown in your cells, especially all around your heart, your arteries, everything. So finally, that was a really, really big thing. I remember talking about that on radio a few years ago because they make these decisions and then give food manufacturers like three or four years to get them out of their foods because maybe in a can of something, for instance, there could be a trans fat in there. So they have to get rid of all their stock before they can genuinely say, okay, no more trans fat in the new batch. So they need to give them time to do that. So the deadline was September 2020. Just know that we all need, like every cell in our body has some saturated fat in it. So we still need to have some of that. Same thing as cholesterol. So that's the next one on the list. It's been proven over and over again that eating cholesterol does not really impact your blood cholesterol when you go to the doctor and you get your cholesterol reading. So honestly, that's kind of outdated too. My mayo says that it has 10 grams of cholesterol in it, which isn't surprising because it has egg yolks in it. They're a great source of cholesterol, which is actually really important to transport your hormones all around your body. So quick sidebar here. If you happen to have high cholesterol, ditching eggs is not going to solve the problem. You need to eat way more fiber. You need to sort out constipation or your bowel habit. habit and you also need to sort out your liver and your gallbladder. So that's just another episode right there. Carbohydrates, well, they're next. And they're all about the energy that you get from food. First is the total carb that you're getting. Then underneath that, it says about fiber because, of course, carbs are a really good source of fiber. And then we've got sugar next. Now, this is where it gets a lot complicated because let's say you have a, have a, a loaf of Wonder Bread in front of you. Check the label. It should say about 24 grams of carbs per two slices and less than about one gram of fiber. Now, that's if you have a loaf that is just a white loaf. You're just typical white Wonder Bread. There's really not much fiber in anything that's white. That's not new news. The sugar content, well, that says that it's about three grams, which is almost a teaspoon of sugar that's in those two slices of bread. Now, the third ingredient on the list is sugar. So that reflects that three grams that's in there. And to me, that's a little bit more than what's needed to help make the yeast work and the bread rise. So some labels moving forward are going to say just in a little underneath there, you're going to see a little line from added sugar, which means that it's been added as an ingredient on top of maybe what's more useful. So let's just say that you have a dish that has rice in it. There will be a carb value there because rice is a carb source. Will it have sugar on there? Well, it might, but in the little bracket underneath, you'll see if they've sweetened it for whatever reason, and that would then end up being an added sugar. Now, some of the labels 
are being changed as of 2016. Things have moved on. My guest today, Dr. Jess, is going to go into this a little bit more shortly. But just so you know that maybe if you're picking something up and you say, hang on a minute, there's more in here than Leanne's talking about, just know that we're also here in Canada in transition here. And my clients tend to get tripped up under this carbohydrate. Don't take that carbohydrate value as it's not necessarily a good product. My eyes, they tend to go first to the sugar. That's what makes my kids groan the most and grab whatever I pick up right out of my hands because I know I'm just about to dish up some not so good news about what they're drinking or they're eating. So I totally get that. Mom, no, don't. Every time I start to zero in, put my reading glasses on just to read the fine print. Mom, stop embarrassing me. So the amount of sugar is reported in grams. And again, this is just so mind blowing because you just think, I don't really want to look at this thing in the first place, but just stay with me here. It really does mean nothing to most of us, but let's just say take a can of Coke. Now it's about maybe a 12 ounce or 330 mil bottle. It's going to say 39 grams of sugar on the label. Like picture that. What does 39 grams of sugar look like anyway? Well, If you can do a bit of quick math, you need to divide that grams of sugar by four, and that'll help you to have a little bit more of a visual look on what that amount of sugar is. So in this case, that drink, that Coke, contains almost 10 teaspoons of sugar. Oh, isn't that wonderful? It's just shy of about a quarter of a cup of sugar that somehow blows my brains. They've managed to fit into that one bottle of pop. (laughs) How? A quarter of a cup? It's just wonderful food magic, Leanne. You're not supposed to understand it. When I put my teeth (laughs) under the pillow when I was young and magically my teeth disappeared and there was a quarter left there, that's just magic. And we don't question magic. We just open the can of Coke and we drink it and we enjoy the magic. Yes. Okay. Okay. You enjoy the high. Your pancreas goes screaming. Ah! (laughs) And you're on a roller coaster for the rest of the day. Yeah. It's not doing much for the rest of my body. But for my taste buds, they're enjoy they're dancing they have a little dance party in there oots, oots, oots. all right all right i'm feeling quite good for the moment when i was in the bahamas sailing over the march break they have a local can of bahama goombe punch Ooh, that's terrible cool. accent there but you know what i'm trying to do my <laughs> yeah. kids they loved it and there was another friend who was sailing with us too and he was like this stuff is the best so we had to go to the store and we picked it up well duh it has 50 grams of sugar in it so that was 12 (laughs) teaspoons and over a quarter of a cup i banned my kids from it so they started sneaking it (laughs) and can you believe that they both bought that they both brought back an empty can just to put on you know in their bedroom just to remind them of not only the fun that we had in the bahamas but also how mom banned it too oh wow so they're doing i know they're doing back alley uh, drug deals for pop yep. back alley goombay punches going on but i have to say you know they didn't really look much like it after that but i followed up with ah let's check out the ginger beer that we've been making the dark and stormies with uh. guess how much they had in them the same <sighs> oh, 50 wow. grams okay. of sugar in that ginger beer and after one of them, because also when you're sailing, you feel a bit nauseous. So the ginger, you kind of, it's, 
it doesn't work at all. But you just, I think we're programmed to think that ginger ale or ginger beer is going to do something. And I did that once. I had, I had, a, I had a pop, which I never drink. I felt horrendous afterwards. I did not feel good. It did nothing for my, uh, it did nothing for my nausea, but made me feel worse. And I have to say, I switched up from the dark and stormies after that. Everyone was like, "You suck. You're no fun." I'm like, dudes, I just did not feel good. So I'm gonna go find something else to have. Where's your vodka? And let me find some of the vodka and soda. Thank you very much. This is Eat This with Leanne. All right, so let's get back to it. That percentage that you see on there, there's a little percentage sign, and a lot of people look at that and they go, no, not even going there. Well, just so you know, that's the DV or daily value. It's used as a benchmark to determine if that food is high or low in a certain nutrient. Now, while I could explain this to you, I thought that I would get Dr. Jess Haynes, the Associate Professor of Nutrition from the University of Guelph on, just because it's fun. She's super bubbly. She's awesome. And she's involved in some really cool stuff over there. She is an Associate Professor of Applied Nutrition, and her research focuses on developing strategies to support children's health and eating and growth. Well, welcome, Jess. Thank you so much for joining me on Eat This with Leanne. And why don't you just start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and the work that you do at the University of Guelph. Sure. So I'm an Associate Professor of Applied Nutrition um, here at the University of Guelph. And so I'm really interested in all things nutrition. Uh, but the focus of my research is trying to get families with young kids to establish healthy eating habits early in life. And we do that through a study called the Guelph Family Health Study. We have talked before about this and listened there will be more on this, I promise, because, of course, this is in my spread right wheelhouse of talking to families. But today we're going to talk about nutrition labeling. Now, Jess, I came across this on the Health Canada website. I think it was nutrition labeling became mandatory in Canada in 2007. So they have to do this. So it's all on prepackaged foods. Since then, nutrition and ingredient information has been listed on all the food labels. They've been designed to be easy to find, simple to read, and allow Canadians to make informed choices. You know, it's, it's, it's up there. It's up there. So do you think that the food labels are actually easy to navigate or what's the feedback that you have from the people in your, in your study? Yeah, I would say no, Leanne. They're not that easy <laughs> to navigate, but they're getting better. Okay. And so um, as, you, as you know, when you look at a nutrition label, there's a lot of numbers. There, yes. Like you need high numeracy. You know, you have to be able to manage numbers well to really interpret that information. Yeah. And some of the, so in, you're exactly right. They came out, uh, food packaging was required or the label was required um, uh, in 2009, did you say? Seven. 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 Sorry. I was going to say seven and I was, caught myself, but they revised the, rec the requirements on 2016. So, okay. and the um, food companies have to comply by 2021. And right. so what, what they've done with the revisions is tried to make it easier 
to, mm -hmm. to be able to follow those numbers. So for one thing, um, they've made some things bolder. So you can easily see, for example, the calories that are in the, in the um, product. They've also tried to help us to be able to interpret those numbers. So right now you look at them and there's just lots of numbers coming at you, but they're trying to help us interpret them. So one of the big numbers there that is supposed to help us is something called the percent daily value. Yeah. And, and right there, you're like, what are you talking about? What's the percent daily value? So it is trying to tell us how much in a serving of that product is the, it does a nutrient that's sort of required or recommended, the amount of the nutrient that's recommended is in that product. So you get right. this percentage and now the new labels will tell us when it's less than 5%, that's a low amount. And yeah. when it's more than 15%, that product is giving you a high amount of that nutrient. Yeah. So what it should do is help us to say, well, if I'm trying to increase fiber, right? And this product has more than 15% of what's recommended in fiber. Oh, I want that product. And therefore, and, and if we say want to reduce the amount of sodium we can, we're eating, we can take a look and find those products that have less than 5%. And so now the new labels actually tell us this is what those percent daily values mean. Oh, clever. Finally. Yes. Yes. Because yes. <laughs> yes. it's just a percentage. And then you think, well, I mean, for a lot of us now, me at my age is like, damn, don't have my glasses on or can't quite read that. So there's that too, right? Where you turn it over and you think, this is just really not helpful. I don't even know. So I think a lot of my clients, they actually don't really know where to look, which is kind of what inspired this whole episode. So um, so all, another piece to this is that the nutrition facts, they're all dependent on the serving size. Now, what's coming up, uh, I think probably in 2016, when all this first came out, I know that I've talked about this on radio a whole bunch of times, but uh, have they standardized some sort of something so that you're looking at a product that is half a cup of this versus half a, half a cup of that, not just whatever the company thinks, oh, I'll do it in teaspoons or tablespoons or one cup, because then uh, you do have to stand there in the aisle and just get your calculator out to try and figure it out or use use your basic math skills. Absolutely. And yes, one of the changes that did come in is that there's now standard serving sizes. And just like you said, Leanne, that makes the world of difference. Because if again, if I'm looking for a product that's low in sodium and I grab two different cracker boxes and one, the serving size is 32 crackers and one it's seven. It yeah. takes so much work to figure out which one has the lowest amount of sodium. And so <laughs> just yes. pick, pick the one that, you know, you've tried or has the pretty label or you think, oh, that one's going to go great with my cheese. It's going in the basket. <laughs> A hundred percent. It's very challenging. So yes, one of the changes is now when you pick up a, a box of crackers, it will have a standard serving size and it'll make, again, trying to interpret all those numbers a lot simpler. Uh, are there any particular tips that you can often offer to listeners? I've got a whole bunch around this particular interview, but great minds think alike, I'm quite sure. For people who are picking up those food labels, are there any super sneaky ingredients maybe to look out for or just, I don't know, just, well, anything, anything that you share with uh, with your with your families. Sure, um, I'm just going to highlight one of the other improvements I would say um, that helps with, as you said, those sneaky ingredients. Yeah. Um, because sugar, as you know, comes uh, under many different names when we put it, it into products. And yes. one of the things that Health Canada is requiring now too is all of the ingredients that are sugar or sweeteners now have to be pulled together. And you can they'll have different names, but yep. it'll say sugars, and then in brackets 
minutes, it'll list all the ingredients that are in there that are sugars. Oh. So I think that makes a big difference for people. They don't have to spend as much time looking at the ingredient list and trying to figure it out. And if sugars are the main ingredient, they'll be up near the front of those um, ingredient list and people yeah. will, will be able to tell that. Yeah. Um, I would tell people... Um, what would I say? That sometimes it's difficult to try and manage all of those nutrients. And so trying to get a sense of, um, for different people, different nutrients will be really important. So right. for example, if, um, if uh, hypertension is a concern, then sodium is something that you're really going to look at. And that may be the nutrient you focus on. Um, if we're concerned, you know, our kids aren't getting enough fiber, then focus there. And of course, you want to think of the overall um, healthiest healthfulness of our diets. But mm -hmm. if they do feel overwhelmed, you know, start to focus on the nutrients that are particularly of interest to them. Um, try to use that 5%, 15%, 15 is high, 5% of your percent daily value is low. Yeah. And then just relax in it, hopefully that it um, is helpful, not too stressful for yeah. them. Very, very wise words. And I think something I'd sort of, sort of piggyback on that is really, uh, you know, do the best you can with what you know. And then when you learn something new, then you can apply it too. Don't necessarily think when you look at a label, I've got to get this all right. I got to get this, you know, everything right. What was that again? What was that number again? Maybe just focus on one, one thing at a time and then start to learn the foods that might have a little more sneakiness going on without not as much fiber when you really want to keep, say, above six grams of fiber in your cereal or your granola bar or something like that. So very, very wise words. Thank you so much. Now, if anybody wants any more information about your study that you talked about in your intro, then let's have it. Tell us where, where people can find more information. You bet. So um, our website is guelphfamilyhealthstudy.com. And what you can find on there is certainly some of our research studies and that sort of thing. But we also have a ton of infographics um, that are made for families. We have free cookbooks also made for families that they can Excellent. access. And we also have our own podcast called Healthy Habits, Happy Homes. And they can find that there too. Yay. Awesome. Well, thanks so much. And we'll have a much more in-depth conversation because the work that you're doing with this study, that brief chat that we had before and, and all the information that you're getting at, especially during COVID is quite mind blowing. I certainly found it to be that anyway. So thanks so much for jumping on with me today. And uh, yes, we'll have you back again soon. I would love it. And thanks so much for having me today. You're welcome. So to recap on where you might have glazed over, once you see that percentage sign, that 5% DV or less is a really small amount of anything that's in it. And 15% DV or more is a little bit more of a particular nutrient. Now, they only list four nutrients, vitamin A, calcium, iron, and vitamin C. The rest of the daily values, well, they're based on what is said to be a healthy diet. There's a whole bunch of calculations that go into there and way too much math to try and do on a podcast without a calculator, a whiteboard, and people, you know, that have a much better math brain than me. So safe to say that I don't hold much value in this whole DV thing mentioned here. And also Dr. Jess pretty much said the same thing. So stick to those gram numbers so that you know what you're getting. So that was a lot about nutrition facts and trying to navigate your way through all of that. But truly where I find most of the confusion comes from, it's there. 
So that coupled with the ingredient list, let's move over that way now, because I really think that you must have the two alongside of each other. And I know you're like, I just I just want to eat the damn food, Leanne. Why am I doing this? It really is just so that you have a better understanding. And of course, like anything that I talk about on Eat This with Leanne is so that you can make an empowered or better decision, whether it's good or not. It's okay. This is you and this is what you how you get to do you. Now, to explain a little bit about what's on the ingredient list, I want to talk about infant formula, for example. I know that you're probably not, nobody's having it right now who's listening to this, but it just really was the biggest aha moment for me. And I hope this example helps you to understand what happens. So if you read that ingredient list, you actually see lactose listed on the ingredient list of most formulas. And while you think, well, why is that? Because formula is made from milk. Naturally, it contains lactose. And when I first saw this, I thought, why is there lactose on the ingredient list? And I have to say, it took me a long time to even ask that question. But formula is a perfect example of the science and the formulation behind a processed food. And yeah, I'm calling it a processed food. I'm not slamming it. It keeps a lot of babies super healthy, but it just is what it is. And this one, I just thought would really explain this point. Ingredients, well, what what is in there? It needs to be some protein. So in this case, it comes from the casein or the whey. You'll see that written on there. Then they add in nutrients because some could have been lost in processing and they need to add extras like, let's say, iron. The lactose being added is there is because it has to be added back in. They start with the dairy and then they have to split the protein from the lactose and then they have to like put it back together again. In this case, infants having issues with lactose and a parent thinking that their baby is lactose intolerant happens because of this addition of lactose to the formula because it's actually a lot more than what's found in regular milk or breast milk, can't really compare them, but it's a lot more. And it actually overloads your baby's gut, leading to the gassiness or maybe even colic. So this addition of lactose to it, which has to be there for the extra calories and also the taste, the digestive system can't quite keep up with it in terms of digesting that particular sugar. So for me, this was like a really big aha moment because, of course, I in my Sprout Right niche, then I'm really helping parents to figure out why on earth is their baby screaming for hours and hours and hours. And also, I in my both of my books, I've got charts of all the different formulas. And then I thought, well, why, how can we have a lactose-free formula? So again, it comes down to the science. There's gentle formulas that's, that are marketed for, for babies with tricky tummies. So instead, they, they don't add in lactose, they add in sucrose. So they've managed to find a way around, and this is the science that goes behind some of the foods that we buy. Like I said, that carb value needs to be in there because it's got to keep the baby going. That's part of their nutrition and also needs to be sweet enough so it doesn't taste terrible. And they say, yeah, no, thank you. But these ingredients, while you think are naturally occurring, well, they actually have to be pieced back together a little bit like a puzzle. So any ingredient that you see that's on a label has been added. It's not naturally occurring. If it just says milk on the label, then it's all in there just as it was in your glass of milk. If it is 
broken down, then they have to put all of those ingredients in separately. Ingredients, they have to be declared on the label in what they call descending order of proportion by weight. So this is all the stuff that the health agencies look at and where all the regulation comes in. And they have to determine this before they make or combine a food. Any ingredient that is in the food or enhances the food, maybe it changes the color or the flavor, it must be listed. So maybe like that food coloring to make your yellow icing look like sunshine or even the cocoa that's added to an Oreo to make it look super, super dark. They all have to be put on the ingredient list so you know what's in there. Now, I'm not going to go into any of the sinister ingredients in foods that are out there because that's a whole other episode unto itself. But it's important to understand that if an ingredient goes in order of like, as I said, of descending order, let's say you look at your salad dressing. That normally starts with water and then moves on to maybe some sugar and then on to some other emulsifier. There's probably some vinegar in there somewhere. Well, your tomatoes, well, that should really just start off with tomatoes. And if it doesn't, I can't even imagine what they're using. My pasta sauce that I mentioned earlier has salt and sugar listed on the ingredients, but it's the last three ingredients of a total of eight. So you know that tomatoes being number one, great. That's what my pasta sauce has the most of in. Water's in there too, but at the end is salt, pepper, and sugar. So the more ingredients that you see or the ingredients they see at the front of that list, the more that it's in there. Looking at this, a bunch of years ago, I think it was like 2008, Michael Pollan, when he was promoting his book in Defense of Food, said, don't eat anything with more than five ingredients on the list. Well, everybody's kind of broken that one down a little bit since then, because it's actually really hard to have just five ingredients in something, because sometimes if you look at it at a recipe, it's like a whole page worth of ingredients, and then it tastes incredible. So you might need those extra herbs. You might need that extra flavor. You might need that special kind of salt. So that five ingredients pretty much gets blown out of the water at that point. Food manufacturers, they have to be careful about how and what they call the foods. They could put something like methyl xanthadalanine alkaloid 1,3,7 trimethylene purine 2-6 to dione. I can't even say oh, that properly, even though I got my, the pronouncer. My mouth is watering right now. Oh, keep, I know. Keep well, talking. It would be for you because that's really what coffee is. Oh, all right. The conscious me had no idea what you were talking about, but the subconscious me went, dude, that's coffee. There you go. There you go. So the manufacturers they have to be careful about what they put on there, because imagine having all that mumbo jumbo on there. You'd go, oh, no, I don't know what that is. That looks like a science experiment. But really, that's what coffee is called. So that's the science versus the food. The science actually needs to be there. And if you head back over to episode seven or eight, where we talked with Barry Friedman about sugar, sugar being evil, him living his sugar-free life, we went into a lot more about sugar and all the different names that they have for it that they throw on that ingredient list. I think that one gets to be a little on the sneaky side, but you got to know these things. If it looks like a science experiment, well, every now and then, you know, get your kids involved if you like and have them Google and say, what is this? And then you're going to learn something new at the dinner table. So to sum up, the nutrition label is important to at least 
glance at every time you're choosing a food or every once in a while, once you get it home, because once you know better, you'll do better. And this is kind of fun to do around the table. I remember as a kid sitting at the table, reading the, uh, the reading the cereal box in the morning. That's how I learned about riboflavin. And that's how I learned about thiamine because you'd see them on all of them, right? Because they're added in. They had to add them back in because of processing. And then so you flip was- around, you're like, oh, there's a French name for it too. Oh, good. This is what you did for fun as a child. No wonder you're a nutritionist. I don't know if I did it for fun. It just sat there in front of me on the table. And because, you know, <laughs> so it was the morning, bored. I just sat there and read it. <laughs> see, I read the Sunday comics. I did not read about riboflavin or the French version of that, low riboflavin. Maybe that was where it all started and I didn't even realize it till I just said it just now. I just really want you to know what's in your food. Teach your kids if they're still at home around the table or, you know, if you even have them in the first place. First, I want you to check about what's that serving size. We know from what Jess said, those changes are coming. And by 2021, there's going to be a lot more standardization. So you don't have to get out your calculator when you go shopping. Then sure, check out the calories. But I'd You notice that I really haven't mentioned about calories. I'm not really a calorie counter. It is information if it's important to you. But head down to the sodium. Maybe that's somewhere if you've got heart concerns or there's something in the family, that would be something that I would read. Definitely check out the carbs and the sugar especially. And if it's a high fiber food, generally speaking, uh, a cereal, let's say, I would want to see six grams or more in any kind of cereal. And the same thing with a granola bar. Otherwise, you know that it's all just going to be more like your one white wonder bread. Remember that that total fat that you see on there could actually contain some neutral monounsaturated fats, which is more what you find in your olive oil and also in your avocado, as well as good polyunsaturated fats called omega-3 and omega-6 fats. If you're looking for a protein-rich food, well, you can check out that amount there and see how it compares to the one next to it. It's all important. It really just depends on what your focus is of the moment. And if it's that kind of day where you just need to put your fingers in your ears and sing la, 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 and enjoy a mouthful or a container or a box of whatever, have at it. Check it out later, though, just so you think, oh, interesting. Well, that's why this one tastes better than this, because maybe there's more fat in it. Or actually, I'm not a salty person, and I prefer the one with less salt, or I prefer it with more. It's all information, and you know that's what I try and instill in you as much as possible. Thank you so much to Jess for joining me today. She's a real smarty pants that we will have on again at some point. And if you found this helpful and want to know more about ingredients and how to navigate that list, reach out to me on social media at SproutWrite or on Leanne Phillipson handles. Check out the show notes on leannephillipson.com. You can always check out my award-winning books, SproutWrite, and I just got all the stickers to stick on my own book. So that's really exciting. (laughs) And you'll find a lot more of that on SproutWrite.com. You can send me an email through either of the websites, SproutWrite.com or LeannePhillipson.com. And lots of people are always super surprised when they get a reply and you see my signature there. I do actually say, hey, thanks so much for reaching out. And then I'll give you a little tip or two on in there. Coming up in December, because it's the end of November, as we're recording this right now, if you're listening to this next spring, then you've missed it. Um, On spurtright.com forward slash advent, please join me in 
opening up a new email every day with just a really easy tip or two about how to get through the holiday season just a little more healthy. I'm not going to say put down the cookies. I'm not going to say stop baking. It's just some extra things that you can add in to keep you on track. Because I know that even despite COVID, it is possible not to totally fall off the wagon and roll right down the hill this holiday season. It's going to be a holiday advent calendar, like a like a nutritional yeah. advent calendar, a, hel- a healthy holiday advent calendar. Sorry, all I didn't right. say that off the top at all. So daily emails <laughs> that are going to end up in your inbox. So it's not cool. like the chocolate one with a little door. You're just going to get a daily email that's going to come into your inbox with a little tip, maybe a recipe. And uh, and then you can just kind of stay on track a little bit more than you thought you would have. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for sharing this because I know so many of you are doing that. So keep at it, please. We're coming up to my 50th episode. This is episode 48. Chris, we got to figure out what on earth we're going to do to celebrate that. And I want to hit as many downloads as possible. It's a personal goal of mine to hit that 50,000 mark. Oh, actually, you know what, Chris? I told you off the top that I had a surprise for you. Yeah. Do you remember that? Well, yeah, yeah what? I remember. What? 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 Yeah, I yeah. just checked before we started, and I honestly, truthfully gasped as I saw over fifty thousand downloads of <laughs> "Eat This with Leanne." Yeah! So we're ahead of my goal Woo! of fifty thousand by the fiftieth episode. That's phenomenal. The, n- the number, as it was, was fifty thousand six hundred and forty-six. Yay! 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 Thank you and keep on sharing it. I am so excited. All right, so I've caught my breath enough to say, please remember to eat this one mouthful at a time. And I also want to add on that all you lovely listeners that keep on coming back week after week and sharing it, you guys rock. 